awake, apparently. That's good. Oh, first off, it's good to get a speak here, to be at home. Oh, what an honor. First off, um, and so <laughs> uh, that's why they're not here today, so hopefully they're enjoying their time somewhere. Um, I've also got my lovely wife here. I think she's trying to set up a Facebook Live or something. I don't know. Um, but yeah, like Sean said, uh, my name is Ryan. Uh, I, I've helped lead the young adult group here for seven years, something like that. Um, and we're just we're seeing God do amazing things uh, downtown. Where we we meet at uh, Roosevelt Coffee House downtown, and it's just awesome to see people, especially millennials, with all all the things people say about us. To see millennials that are on fire for God, so. Um, I wanted to share a prophetic word, but first, uh, let's just invite God even more. He's here. <laughs> He's here. It's beautiful. He's excited. You could feel it in the air, just the anticipation, just from the Holy Spirit. He's, just, he's excited to be around his people. Um, but I was, I was given permission to, to go a little wild today, and, uh, and then Mama Dora told me to preach, so... You can't you can't disobey Mama Dora. So, yeah, let's let's stand up real quick. All across the building, and let's invite him in a more profound way, in a way we've never experienced before. Holy Ghost, come! Oh, yeah, Holy Ghost, come and touch your people. Come and touch your people. We want more of you. Come and reveal Jesus. Holy Spirit, today, let, let everything that Jesus paid for in our lives today, let him get his reward. What he paid for for us today, for this moment, let him get his full reward. Don't let one person slip through the cracks. Come, come, come. Come and flow through the room. Come and flow through the room and unlock hearts. <laughs> oh, awesome. Thank you, Lord. Oh, you can have a seat. So I got some good news for you. Now, is, is that kids yelling? Oh, they're below me. You guys might not be able to hear them. Um, they're enjoying something down there. Uh, so some of you might have seen this. I don't post a whole lot of public prophetic words over seasons or anything like that. Um, but leading up to June 1st, I felt like there was a significant something that was going to happen on June 1st, a significant spiritual shift. And leading up to that, um, God began to, to have me, uh, he gave me Ephesians 3.20 which you guys know, um, which is he'll do it immeasurably more than you can ask, think, or imagine. And I've known that verse, and that's a good promise, but there's something, there's a difference between just pulling a verse out of the Bible and saying, oh, I'm going to claim this, and Holy Spirit giving you something and making it real to you, and like making a promise real. And I've, I know that that verse is truth, but until the, until the moment that God gave me that verse a few weeks ago, it never really carried weight for me. It was never really something that I would like you know, press in for or pray. And I felt like he said to begin to declare that verse over, uh, over my, just my life right now and over different aspects of my life. And when the angelic actually, it says in Psalms that the angelic actually moves to the spoken word of God. And so it's actually, if, if you want to partner with angels, you don't go around commanding angels, you begin releasing the word of God and they move on the declaration. That's why declarations are powerful. And so you, you, you take promises of God and you, you release them and, he, and the angels gives them something to war with. It's like a sword in the hand of an angel in, in the angelic. Um, and so I began to do that and I started to feel the weight. I was like, wow, I've never felt weight on this verse like I am now. So then uh, June 1st comes and I, I still was like, something changed, but I can't tell what. So I started texting. I've got uh, prophetic friends all, all over the country and I'm texting them like, what are you guys feeling? They're like, I don't know. Something shifted and I can't tell what it is. And so I began to ask him, and this is kind of interesting, I began to feel this, this permission to yell at heaven. 
Um, and I'm not, I'm not normally a big yell at God person, <laughs> but uh, there, I felt like there was a permission to just begin to call on heaven for the things that, that we need in our lives. And, and I, I felt like specific, specifically in this season, heaven's asking, what do you need and what do you want for this next season? Like the season that's coming up, looking into that season, begin to ask for, here's the things I need and here's the things I want. And so this sounds, this sounds so cliche and, you know, a million people use this verse and turn it into a prophetic word. But I'm telling you, there's something on it on this season. And the people that have actually stepped into this prophetic word and done it, have, there's been quick returns on it. Um, I wish I had time for, to actually share some of those testimonies, but there's, there's been some amazing things that have happened quickly. Like with me, it was within 10 minutes um, of declaring something, I got the call. And so I, I just want to tell you, you know, it's really easy to, with, in a prophetic culture to begin to breeze over the prophetic, but a, a true prophetic word needs to be written down and let it be something that's before you. And so take, take this um, and, and do something with it. I just encourage you, you'll see something happen, I promise you. But make a, I felt like God said to make a list of what you need and what you want. Like actually write it down, not in your phone, but write it down. Something interesting in, in the book of Revelation, Jesus wasn't writing to the churches. He was writing to the angels over the churches. When, he, when he's speaking to John, he says, write to the angel over, and he does it for each of the, each of the churches. And so it's actually, when you write, it, that's another form. That's a, a decree, basically. But you declare out of your mouth, and you decree on paper. You write it down, and it gives the angelic something to go with. There's a lot to that. I can't get into um, and then I felt God say, begin to declare Ephesians 3.20 over this season. So those things that are on your list, pray in the spirit over them uh, until you feel, you feel peace, you feel release, you feel God, do, there's a shift. There's that, that point when you know, oh, this is done. So take the list, take the things that you're, you're, you're praying into and just take it before God, pray over it, walk the floor, sit in your chair, whatever you need to do. And then once it hits that point, um, you're, it's done. You move on. But one of the things, so the, the yelling at heaven thing, this, it threw me off a little bit, but this, this is what it looks like. Um, you know, I, I would just be like, hey, heaven, I actually went outside where I work, and I just began to walk. And I was like, hey, heaven, you said that you would take care of every need, so come and do it. Hey, heaven, you said that if I hunger and thirst after righteousness, I will be filled, so come and fill me. I want more. Come and fill me. I want more. Heaven, I want more. I want more of you. I need more of you. And you'll fear the, 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 the presence of God will draw to that. Heaven pays attention to it, I'm telling you. And it's not out of just the loudness of your voice, but it's out of you're connecting. Your heart is connecting with his. And I began to, to declare over things like our finances, you said over this next season, you'll do exceedingly and abundantly far greater than anything I can think or imagine. And so in the Passion Translation, I really love this, and then I'll, I'll move on. Never doubt God's mighty power to work in you and accomplish all of this. He will achieve infinitely more than your greatest request, your unbelievable dream, and exceed your wildest imagination. <sighs> he will outdo them all for his miraculous power constantly energizes you. That's a prophetic word to you. Also, um, one, of, one of the girls from Fire Kate, she said that she felt like today God was restoring families, but especially fathers to their children. Um, so I just wanted to release that. If you're in a place where there's a disconnect between you and your kids, it might even be, you know, it might not be a, well, they're away from home situation. They might be in your house. Um, but I feel like, I really felt like God was on that, that God wants to restore relationships between fathers and their children, which Father's Day is coming up, so maybe that's connected, I don't know. Oh, so I'm going to hurry, but we're going to go after God, if that's okay, and then at the end, um, I want to, my, my team and I, we're going to pray over everyone who wants it, um, so if you have to leave, just please leave quietly, uh, but we, we want to go after that and just release something. So uh, just so you under, understand me a little bit, I have changed since the last time you, you saw me speak a year ago. Um, a lot's happened in my life. Uh, one of the things that happened in this, you know, this can sound arrogant, but this, please hear my heart on this. This isn't coming from a place of pride, um, but I've lost my fear of man, and I don't want it. So if you find it, 
you can do something with it. I don't want it. Um, <laughs> my wife and I, we had, we had a, a great privilege of, we got invited by uh, David and Debbie Hogan to come down and spend time with them in Mexico. And uh, I, don't, I don't know what moment it happened, but I came back and I was different. And I just, I noticed that the, the things before that, I'd be scared, well, what do people think of this? What if I do that? Like, all that, that would go through my, it was just wasn't there. And I was like, oh, well, I don't need it anyways. Um, I'd rather be uh, in fear of the Lord, and uh, then you don't have to fear anything else. So that's nice. Um, <laughs> the other thing that happened to me, and this has been happening for a while now, is I gained this hatred for the religious demon, and it's a demon. We call it a spirit, and it sounds nicer. It's a demon, um, and so there is such a you know we've encountered this. We we go down to Central America a lot, and we minister around there. And we've got churches that are under our ministry, and it's it's beautiful. Um, but there's this false gospel going around everywhere, and it it looks it looks like different things down there. It's this kind of like you never know if you're saved until you actually get before God. So you're always kind of like begging and pleading, and you got to go to church, and if you don't go to church and you die, then you're probably going to hell, and it's this nasty thing um, that keeps people relying on the system and not on God, and so um, anyways, I just, there's this powerless gospel, and so I want to, I want to say this, because a lot of what I'm getting into today, if you, if you, if you've lived under a religious spirit, a religious demon, you've, you've probably been given a gospel that has a lot of stuff for you to do, um, and might even say, oh, it's all covered by Jesus, but then there's no transformation. And so it actually, there's, if, if your gospel, if the gospel you're believing does, hasn't caused transformation in your life and isn't causing transformation, it's of a devil. Is, is that clear? <laughs> it just, it, it just is. If any, any gospel that has you, you consistently in this place, and that doesn't mean you don't repent, you repent because in relationships you ask for forgiveness. That's just how relationships work. If you mess up, you ask for forgiveness. But it's, it's this thing of, of you're, never, you're never able to grow. You're never able to go past where you are. And that's, that's demonic and it's not okay. So I've, I've grown in this real hatred of that. So if some of that comes out and it sounds, I'm not, I'm not trying to be harsh. There's just, there's certain things that when I feel them now, I'm just like, I got to punch that thing in the face. <laughs> um, so moving on. Uh, I shared the message I'm about to share, or at least a, a version of it, a few weeks ago at FIRE, um, the group I lead. And, um, and the Wednesday before that, I had an encounter with God. So, David, do you have that slide ready? Get it ready. Don't pop it up there yet. Um, so I was, I was driving, and all of a sudden the presence of God entered my car, and I just start crying. <laughs> and I'm like, God, what is this? And I just instantly knew in my heart, this Monday is going to be really significant. And Monday's when we have FIRE. And so I voxed my team, I sent them a voice message, I'm like, hey guys, like, God just entered my car and said this Monday is significant, pray into it, because I don't really know what he's going to do. So I, I end that, and I'm like, God, what, what is this Monday going to be about? And this truck pulls in front of me, so the picture's blurry, you can put it up. Um, it says, oh, it's a little warped, get a fresh perspective on hunger. <laughs> so signs don't get more, much more obvious than that. So you, you can take it down. Um, so I want to talk, I feel like this is kind of a seasonal thing and just a, like a lifetime word too. Um, and then one of, one of our guys, uh, Jeff, he's, he's on my team, but he, on Monday, he woke up and he heard, uh, and he actually hadn't seen the movie, but from the movie Secretariat, there's a scene, um, Secretariat's about a horse that went on to win the Triple Crown. Well, before even the Kentucky Derby, no one believed the horse could actually win. And there's a, a, I think he's a stable hand or something like that that helps one of the trainers. And he's out at the Kentucky Derby that morning. No one's there. And he's yelling to the stands. He says, he, <laughs> he says you, you about to see something you ain't ever seen before. And Jeff woke up with that that morning and heard that from God. You about to see something you ain't never seen before. And I really, I really believe that's the word of the Lord right now. I, I believe God is, is, he's got us on the edge where he's, he's saying, hey, you're about to see something you ain't never seen before. And of course, this horse that no one really believed in went on to win the Triple Crown. 
So there was no, at that point, it hadn't validated itself. It hadn't done anything to prove it was going to be great. And actually, they kind of, from what I've seen, I actually haven't seen the full movie, but from what I know, um, it actually seemed like a really lazy horse and all this other stuff. Um, so you can be secretariat, too. It's a weird lord. So um, Matthew 5, 6 says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. This verse has, has actually shaped my life. So the, this is actually, when, when Jesus spoke this, it became spiritual law. This is actually how the spirit realm works. Is if you will hunger and thirst, the promise is you will be filled. And hunger and thirst after what? Righteousness. So I've explained this a year ago. I did a message called the alignment of hunger, which actually some of it was coming out in worship. Uh, it, it's the idea that one moment of hunger can, can undo years and years of walking away from God, not paying attention to him, not doing what you're called to do. And in one moment, he can align you right back to the, where you're supposed to be. And so righteousness actually means right alignment. So if you've got uh, a pipe with water and you want it to pour the water and move it into another pipe, they need to be aligned. If they're not aligned, it's not uh, meeting its intended target. And so there's a lot, there's, uh, really quickly, I don't want to teach, I'm going to preach because Mama Dora said to, but the, the difference is you've, you've been made righteous by what Jesus did. That is your positional righteousness because you're a son or daughter of God. You've been made in right alignment with him. But it's like anything else in the kingdom. You then have a decision, a situational, there's situational righteousness. It's in this situation, am I going to live in alignment with heaven or am I going to be self-righteous and make my own alignment? Does that make sense? That's a, righteousness is something I've been going after de-religifying because I feel like it's been so, the, the power of it's been taken away. But if you understand that it's actually just your connection with him, that, that you seek first the kingdom of God and everything else gets added unto you, like, that's, righteousness is seeking first. You seek that first, everything else gets taken care of. So self-righteousness is, I'm going to try to get all this stuff taken care of and then I'll seek. So I want to just give you a little bit of background on my wife and I. We, we started, uh, we really started going after the oil, the anointing. And I'll, I'll talk about anointing a little bit here in a second, but we really started going after it because I, you know, there comes a point when you've experienced God, you've seen stuff, and there's a longing in your heart that says there's more. There's more. And it's not that there's another God, there's another way. It's none of that. It's there's more in this Jesus that I know. Like, like these eyes I've looked into, there's greater depth than the depth I've been at. And I want more. There's, there's, there's more. There's, there's more than, you know, I laid my hand on this person and they didn't get healed. There's more. They're, they're supposed to, their cancer is supposed to bow to Jesus. Like, there's, there's more. I, I, I want that more. I want, I want, so every time I lay my hands on somebody, they have an encounter with heaven. There's more. And so the, we, we went on this, this, this pursuit of we, we need, whew, I can feel God. Um, we, like, we need God. So we're going to get around people that have God. And actually, God told me, because I was asking, I was like, I want this in my life. I want this. If my life is not going to have an, a, an eternal impact on this planet and go down in, in the history of heaven, then I, I was just in this season where I was just like, God, take me. It, if, if that isn't true, if you're not going to do that with me, if you're not going to use my life for that, then I have no purpose being here because I will not go through life and do the mediocre thing and, and just, just you know, try to hang on and get to I will not do that. I can't do that. I would rather die. And, and God, he gave me two, two commands, and I talked about this last year. He said, you know, give me the hours of 6 to 8 in the morning and go do whatever it takes to get hands laid on you by people that know me. And so we began to pursue and, and make decisions that made no financial sense, <laughs> no sense with our, with our, our time, uh, to go after people that we saw, they know God in a way we don't. And when you get around those people, you, you feel like you're around Jesus. And it's just like, man, you have, you have, you smell like him. When I look in your eyes, when David Hogan's coming here in, in the fall, when you look in that man's eyes, you feel like God is looking at you and the fear of the Lord hits you. 
And I wanted to get around those people. So we, we started to pursue them and pursue them. And God started opening up crazy opportunities to, to get around people and get time with people. And it just began to do something. And each time, the reason you get hands laid on you, you can say, oh, well, God can do it here. And, but that's stupid. Oil is actually transferred. It's physically transferred. It's a, it's a hand being laid on you. It's a marking. And, and so the oil, we started getting oil as people would lay hands on us. And I noticed it started actually, whether I felt anything in that moment or not, we'd get a little bit down the road and I'd, I'd go to do something. I'd feel greater authority or greater power within me. I'm like, whoa, that is from that. And I started to realize that. And so we started caring more and more. <laughs> and then we even, you know, sometimes we couldn't even get to the people to have them lay hands on us, but we'd just get in the room. Because there's some things you don't get in a podcast. And so we just get in the room. God, I just, if there's anything on them that can get on me in this moment, I want it. I want to know you like they know you. And I, I, you know, years ago, I'd have these dreams, and this is what kind of, what kind of birth this is. I'd have, I'd have these dreams where I would, I'd just be praying and crying, and I'd wake up crying, but I'd just be saying, God, I want to know you how Catherine Kuhlman knows you. Holy Spirit, I want to love you like Catherine Kuhlman loves you. I want to see you how she sees you. And out of those, out of those dreams, this, this desire to go after more was birthed. So we were at Atwell, uh, a church not you know, a few hours from here, and uh, David, David Jonas was speaking there. And there was a point he was, he was starting to speak, and I wasn't feeling anything, and I just felt like the Lord said, get on your face. So I was like, okay, and I got on my face. And he said, he said you're, you're losing the hunger that got you the oil you have. I was like, oh, because the thing with oil, the thing with oil is it, it doesn't take away from the fact that you've been anointed. Everyone in here, if you follow Jesus, you've been anointed by the Holy Spirit. And, and you know, in the Old Testament, they would anoint kings and priests by pouring oil on them. And it represented the Holy Spirit coming upon them for that office. That is true of you. You have been anointed. You don't get unanointed by not fasting or, you know, I didn't pray enough today or do my devotional, so now I'm unanointed. That's not true. But you've been given access to something, and, and you get oil by getting around the oily one, the anointed one. O- anointing means a smearing of oil. So you get around the one who is, who is covered in the oil, and, and then that's what begins to, to transform your life. The, the Bible says that it's the anointing that breaks the yoke of bondage. So maybe the reason we're not seeing people healed the way we want to, or delivered, or saved, or wh- whatever it might be, is because we aren't carrying the oil. Maybe we, we need to get around him a little bit more. If I'm learning from somebody and they're mentoring me and I only see them once a week and I'm realizing, wow, I'm really not getting it, I'm going to get around him more. I'm going to begin to ask them more questions. I'm going to want to be around them as much as I can. It's the same way with God. Jesus, he came as a man wrapped in the Holy Spirit. He communed with him. He spent time with him. And that's what he, he became covered in the oil, that he could walk in the room and people would get touched by the overflow of what was on his life. And so oil, if I had oil on my hands and I went through the front row, like actual olive oil, and I, I touched one person and the next person and the next person and did everyone in this room, by the time I got to the end, I probably wouldn't have any oil left on my hands other than oil from your sweaty head or something. So the oil actually, you actually need fresh oil every day. Like you actually, it actually is something that it's worth going after I just want to be around you because if, I, if I'm not around him, I, have, I can have good words and a logical message that doesn't transform people. It doesn't set people free. But if I get an oil on my life, I begin to speak, and it begins to shift people's mindsets. It begins to, people start to get set free because there's, there's an oil. There's an anointing on it. You know, the, uh, David Jonas, he, he said this, and this is really good. Um, he said, the presence of God comes because of who you are in Jesus. You're a son of God. Like the presence just become, comes in the room because of your sonship. If, you know, a bunch of sons coming together, sons and daughters want to worship, he's coming. He's going to come. He, he does that. That's what he does. He loves his kids. But the anointing, the anointing actually comes, and I know we don't like this, so I'm gonna, we're going to get a fresh perspective on hunger today. But the anointing comes from what you do. It actually comes from how you pursue him. It comes, it comes from, from, from going after him. 
You know, in, in Proverbs, it says it's the glory of God to conceal a matter. It's the glory of kings to seek it out. It's actually, your, it's actually stepping into your royal identity when you begin to seek. You, you begin to look for him. Sonship looks like this. Is he over here? Oh, no, he's not here. But the problem is, most of the time when we go over here looking for him and we don't find him, we go, oh, man, I must have done something wrong. He must not love me anymore. But that's not what it is. It's actually in the seeking your forms. Like you become, you become more solidified in who you are. And so then you move over here. Is he over here? No, he's not there. And then, you know, I, I do this in, in pursuing him. And some of you guys probably do this. Is like I'll, I'll like flip through the Bible and I'll read stuff. And I'm like, he's not on that. He's not on that. And I'll just look for him. Where are you at? And I'll find something. Oh, here you are. And I'll stay there. And so he's not on that anymore. And they'll be like, oh, maybe he wants worship. And I'll, I'll start playing worship. I'm like, oh, no, he's not on that song. And I'll start to worship on that. Nope, he's not on that one. And I'll go to the next. Oh, here he is. He's on this. He wants this song. And I'll just sing that to him. That's what seeking is. And it's not condemnation. He's, he's always with you. His presence is always, is always there. But you go on this journey of, of, of just looking for him. It's playful. It's like if you play hide-and-go-seek with a kid. You don't drive down the road and hide in somebody else's house. You stay there and you hide behind a curtain where they can see your feet or you're hiding behind a lamp. And it's like really obvious where you are. That's how he plays. He's not, he's not hiding from you. He's hiding for you. And in the discovering of him, we actually see new aspects of who he is. We discover more about ourselves. Sonship, there, there's a sonship message right now, and sonship's one of my main messages. But the sonship message that stops at Jesus paid it all, so I'm staying here, and I don't have to do anything, is entitlement. Jesus paid it all and gave you access to something that is yours to go after. And so you've been given authority, and John, it says you've been given authority to be who you are, sons of God. So you actually have a decision to make every moment of every day. In this moment, am I going to act like a son, or am I going to act like the orphan I once was? And sons seek. And actually in Romans it says that, that <laughs> those who are led by the Spirit are sons of God. If you're being led by him, he's in front of you. You're looking for him. You're, you're keeping your eyes on him. If he moves over there, I'm moving over there. If he moves over there, I'm moving over there. Because I want to be led by him. I'm a son. All throughout the, the Bible, depending on the translation, it uses this word embrace. It talks about embracing him. I'll share a scripture here a bit later that uses it. But what do you do when you find him? You embrace him. You wrap your arms around him. When you find the one that, that drips with oil, you wrap your arms around him, and you don't let go. <laughs> and it's in wrapping your arms around him, he wraps it around you. And you become wrapped in, in the oily one, in the Holy Spirit. So guys, we, we need oil. We need oil. That's not condemnation. It's just not. <laughs> we need it. It's actually one of the most precious substances in the universe. It's, it's what breaks the yoke of bondage. So if we're in bondage and people aren't getting free of bondage, what do we need? The thing that breaks it. Oil. <laughs> we need the anointing. And so it's, just, it's, it's worth going after. But the problem is only the hungry get oil. The hungry get the oil. And it's costly. It, it really will cost you everything. And it's worth giving your life to. You know, Catherine Kuhlman would always say, she would always talk about the cost. And it's worth the cost. It's worth every bit of the cost. Whew, I can feel them so strongly now. What is the cost? The cost is laying your life down. It's, it's the fact that your flesh does not want to worship. Your flesh doesn't want to get, get out and do something. Your flesh likes to sin. The cost is giving up the things that you want for something greater. You fall in love with him, and you're like, I just want him. And, and you give the rest of it away. <laughs> I just want him. I just want him. 
So guys, we need hunger. And I know some, some in their, their attempt to reconcile their own pain, their own disappointments will tell you hunger is unnecessary. I'm telling you that's a demon. It's a demon that tells you that. And I, I, would bet, I, I would venture to say that most people in this room, you're either feeling apathy or you're feeling frustration. If you're in apathy, you're, you're, you're probably at the place where, like, this hasn't even been a thought. You're just, you find your, you'll realize, wow, I'm just kind of going through the motions right now. If, if you're in frustration, you're probably frustrated because you know there's more, and you're like, you want more, but it's not here, and it's like, what's going on? And you're looking at everyone else, and like, they don't seem hungry, and like, <laughs> you know, and frustration, neither of those are God. And so it's, it's really important, like, let's get this right and go after it and have real hunger. And the truth is, you can't mature past hunger. You just, you can't. You don't, you don't mature past hunger. If, you, if you're not hungry, if you're physically not hungry, and you just stop eating, that's a problem. It's normally a sign that you're dying. A sign that there's sickness. And so you can't, you can't mature past it. Actually, the more, the more you hunger after him, the promise is, seek and you'll find when you seek with your whole heart. So actually, the more you find of him, the more you realize, wow, I need you even more than I realized. <laughs> That's the thing is, is the more oil, for one, if, if somebody's wearing essential oil and you smell it, you don't walk by them and say, wow, that's their natural scent. They're like, wow, that is sandalwood. <laughs> the thing is, when, when you get the oil on your life, I know, I know people have turned ministries to be about themselves, but when you get the oil, people are always worried about the glory, well, all the glory has to go to God. No one is, is seeing that on your life and going, wow, that's them naturally. Like, it's, it's obvious that's God. Like, when you actually carry something real, it becomes, wow, that's Jesus on their life. No one, I'll tell you, when you get around David Hogan, you'll see it. And he makes it really clear. Here's my humanity. Here's what God's done with my humanity. But, like, no one's looking at just him and being like, wow, you perform miracles. It's like, wow, God has done a lot <laughs> in you. He's, he's taken a very rough person and, and made you violent in the kingdom. So let's talk about this real quick. What's the difference between godly striving and ungodly striving? Because that's really what this comes down to, right? Is a, lot of, a lot of times we are, we, we are triggered by the word striving. We don't like striving, but there's actually a there's a biblical striving, and we'll read from Paul here in a bit, where Paul actually talks about it. So what's the difference? You know, because two people, one person in godly striving and one person in ungodly striving, will do the same things. They'll both fast. They'll both pray. They'll both worship and go after heaven and, and you know, all of that. They can look identical. But what's the difference? It's the heart. It, re- it comes down to the heart. I've watched people in ungodly striving, and it leads them to burnout. But if you actually are, are, are striving, you're pursuing, you have a passion to know the God of the universe, the God that gave his son for you, the God that then even released the preciousness of the Holy Spirit, the precious person of the Holy Spirit who he held so close, then he gave him to you. Two-thirds of the Trinity were given to humanity. <laughs> That's... It's incredible. That, that God, there's, there's something that rises up in you. i got to know him. You know, the Bible says that o- obedience is, is greater than sacrifice. So what's the difference? It's, it's where you place value. In sacrifice, your value is on the things that you have to give up. In obedience, your value is on the one who you're giving them up for. That's why Jesus said, he said, if you love me, you'll obey my commandments. Like, it actually is a display of when you're in love, that stuff loses its value. So when we talk about paying the cost, people always get into this thing and think, think it's negative striving, and I've seen people do that. And that's real. If Holy Spirit convicts you of that, stop it. But there's something of when you, when you look, I'm telling you guys, when you look in those eyes of fire, when you, when you encounter the one who is a fire from the waist up and a fire from the waist down, when you, when you encounter that one, Something happens to you. 
Something happens that nothing else, all that other stuff doesn't, doesn't really matter anymore. It doesn't feel like a sacrifice, like the song we're, we're singing today. It doesn't feel like a sacrifice anymore to go without food because I'm actually more hungry for him than I am for that. And that doesn't mean there's not moments that it sucks, <laughs> like that happens. But then you turn your affections back. And it's like, I just want you. You know, you can submit your flesh in worship because normally you don't start out all excited about worship. But you, you, you put your flesh in a place. I'm going to worship until, until my, my flesh actually submits to my spirit. And then you hit that place and your spirit comes alive. And you're in worship and you can feel, you can feel your spirit connecting with his. Worship isn't a sacrifice anymore. It becomes an act of obedience. And obedience has been given such a, obedience is beautiful. Obedience is out of love. It's not just out of this, this place of harsh submission. It's out of love. It's like, oh, wow, you've actually told me that this, this will change my life. I don't even understand, but I trust you. I don't understand how worship, how worship changes me. I don't, I don't get it, but I trust you. And I know that when I do it, I encounter you. And that's all, I, I just want to be with you. That's it. That's all that matters to me. So you have to choose, you have to choose the heart of what you live out of. You know, like I was saying before, and then, you know, uh, you can choose, orphan or son, what are you going to act like? You've been made a saint, are you going to act like a sinner? Like, you actually get the choice, what reality are you going to live out of? Because Jesus actually paid for and made you righteous. We became the righteousness of Christ. He, He paid for that. He actually paid to make you free from sin. He gave his life so you're free from sin. And you get a choice. He gave his life so that there could be such a hunger and a passion inside of you to go after the things of him that nothing can stop you. But you can choose to not. Also, it really, it really is about the heart. And I want to be clear. You're not going to earn more of God's love. He loves you. He can't get more loving than to give up his son to die for you. So it's actually, it's actually against the cross to, to, to think that you have to earn his love again when you mess up. It's demonic. It's, it's a demon telling you, you've got to wait at least a week to come back to him now. He's going to be really mad at you. Or you've you got, you got to really worship hard or really read your Bible this week to prove to him that you, you still want him. He's, he's there. I'm here. I paid for it. You're not earning his love. But loved people do things <laughs> because they're loved. He loved us first, and now we realize how loved we are, and out of our love for him, we go and do the works that show the world who he is. That's what hunger does. It goes after these things, because you can do the things to try to earn his love, and that's gross, and it's, it, it'll just lead you to ungodly striving. It'll lead you to burnout. You can try to do all the ministry stuff, all of that. You can, you can have to prophesy every moment of the day over people. You can have to just be in that place where you're in this weird works thing. You can do that and try to earn his love. And I, I can just tell you, you already have his love. The affection of heaven is for you. All of heaven looks at you in awe, wanting to know what is it that God sees Why is he so in love with this one? Why did the prince of heaven have to die for these ones? They're watching. They don't understand love. They want to know more. Heaven's intrigued. Heaven's watching you. Because you're loved. Because you're loved. So you're you're not earning that. But I'm telling you, when you encounter him, when you see his eyes, when you encounter his love, when you encounter his embrace, when you encounter his fire, you can't help but want to please him. It's actually, it's actually biblical to want to please him, to please the father because he's a good father. And every real son looks up to their dad and wants to do things that make their dad proud. That's, that's actually normal. That's who you are. And you're not doing it to get more of your, your, your father's love. But there's something about when you see, you see your father light up. When you, when you see, when you feel his affection. When he says, I'm proud of you. 
You know, part of the reason I'm not afraid of anyone anymore, I'm not afraid of what you think about me or anyone else, and that doesn't mean I don't, I don't, I'm not okay with correction. I have people in my life for that, and that's not what I'm saying, because you can take that the wrong way. But the reason is, is because at the end of the day, I don't have to give account to you. I have a good father, and I go to him. Every time I speak, every, every, you know, every day, I'm like, did I make you proud today? Did I walk as a son worthy of your name? And if you can, if you can live that way, not under condemnation, but out of, out of the, the, the weight of sonship, the weight of who you are, if you can feel the weight of that crown that's on your head, you can, you can do a lot. <laughs> you can change the world. So I'm going to, first, or Colossians 1, 28 through 29. Christ Christ is our message. We preach to awaken hearts and bring every person into full understanding of the truth. It has become my inspiration and passion in ministry to labor with a tireless intensity with his power. So that's the key. It's actually fueled by something. In Psalms, it talks about the anointing being the strength or the power of God. So it's, I have a passion in ministry to labor with tireless intensity with his power. So his power is actually supplying the ability to do that, flowing through me to present every believer the revelation of being his perfect one in Jesus Christ. So hunger causes you to move forward. It causes you to go after something. If you're sitting at home, you're hungry, you get up off your butt, you go in the fridge, if there's nothing there, you're going in the pantry, there's nothing there, you're thinking, okay, am I going to Chipotle, am I going to Chick-fil-A? You get up and you go. You go looking for what you, you're hungry for. I'm sorry, now you will crave Chick-fil-A and it's Sunday. Um, so what do you do when you're not hungry? Here's the big question, because if you're in this room and you're like, I'm not hungry, it's actually self-righteousness to think you can make yourself hungry. So, so what do you do? So if you're driving home tonight, you're in your car, and the little gas light goes ding and comes on. Do you pull over and go, oh, my gosh, what did I do? What did I do to run out of gas? Why am I running low? I don't even deserve a car anymore. <laughs> no, if, if the gas light goes on, you go, oh, I need to find some place to refuel. You don't think about, oh, wow, I drove five miles yesterday, and I shouldn't have. I actually missed my exit, and I went somewhere, I went, I went a different direction, and I wasted gas. No, you just find a gas station, and you fill up. That's how simple it is. So if you realize that you've, you've wasted the last 20 years of your life, or the last 20 days, or the last 20 minutes, if you messed up five minutes ago, if you had a lustful thought in your head, if you realize, oh, wow, I haven't really paid attention to God this week, then pay attention to him. Turn your heart towards it. It really is that simple. Anything that, that tries to put condemnation on you, shame, all shame does is shame comes to keep you in that place. Because if he can keep you in that place, you'll die. <laughs> And he's out to steal, kill, and destroy who you are because if you wake up and realize who you are, the world will come alive. The world will realize, you can clap, that's fine. <laughs> the world will realize that they have a good father. It's Pride Month. There's a whole celebration for people who don't know their identity. The world needs some people that understand who they are, and you figure out who you are when you pursue your father, when you get around him. And the thing is, he's pursuing you back, so you bump into him. And it just begins to form who you are. It forms how you see him. It, it, you discover new aspects of him. So if you're not hungry and you realize you're not hungry, and we're going to do this today. If you realize you're not hungry, ask for it. It's a gift. It really is that simple. You just begin to ask for it. God, I'm not hungry. Give me hunger. Heaven, hey, heaven, I need hunger. Put a hunger in my belly. And then you go and do the things that hungry people do. You start to, you start to go after him. You start to walk the floors. You start to pray. 
you start to look for, you know, where is he going to be? What room can I get in that his presence is going to fall in? Because i got to get around him. I'm hungry. I, I need more hunger. I, I want to know him more. It's the same thing, guys. It's, it really is this simple. If you, if you want to see cancer healed and you pray for somebody and they don't get healed, you go back and you say, God, it didn't work. Help me. Do something in my life, God. Uh, make this real to me. Give me, like, increase faith in me, God. Any blockage in me, not allowing you to move, deal with it. I just, I just want to be more like you, Jesus. You're being conformed to the image of Christ. So it's okay, but go to him and let him conform you. And then you, you don't just sit there and ask for something. God, put something on my life to heal cancer. You go and find someone else with cancer and you pray for him again. And then if you see the result you, you wanted, you worship him. If you don't see the result you wanted, you worship him. You get around him again. God, put, put something on me that makes cancer bow to your name. Put a, put a fire in my belly, God. Put, put an oil on my lips that when I speak to this thing, it bows. That not another one has to die. It's the same way with hunger. If you realize you're not hungry, you ask for it. And then you do the things hungry people do. And you, you keep going. And you, you go after him. God, I need hunger. Heaven, fill me. Heaven, give me a hunger and a thirst after you. You said uh, to taste and see. That was an invitation. So I'm tasting of you. I'm tasting of you. And I see it's good and I want it. You begin to ask. And you seek. And you pursue the oily one. You know, just for one glance in those eyes, it's worth going anywhere. It just is. And there's times he'll, ha he'll ask you to go to another place that it'll be inconvenient. <laughs> you know, he's, there's been times he's asked us to go to other countries, to go places, to do, just to, to meet him on a mountain. And it's like, well, God, that's really inconvenient. You're everywhere. Why can't you meet me here? But there's something, there's something in getting you out of here and, 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 and to somewhere else that is so significant to him. And he likes to play tag. <laughs> oh, so I'm going to read two more scriptures and then we're going to pray, okay? You guys good? I know we're, we're running long today just with worship and everything, but it was awesome and God's doing something. I can feel God's presence so strong right now. I hope you guys can too. Um, but we're, I'm, I'm hurrying. Um, you know, hunger actually is, it becomes, it, be, it ends up being the fuel for all the spiritual disciplines. You really, you, to do the spiritual disciplines separate from him is just religion. And it will lead you to burnout. But if you invite him into that, you invite him to give you more hunger, you ask him to do those things, and then you step out in faith that he's doing them. He, he meets you there. He meets that, that place. Because that in itself is hunger, whether you realize it or not. You can feel, I'm not feeling anything. And God, I just need hunger. And I'm like, please give me hunger. And you spend time with him. And it's like, you know what? I'm just going to go pray in tongues for a half an hour. He'll meet you there. I'm just telling you he will. First John 2, 22 through 29 in the Passion Translation. This is John speaking. Um, I'm, I'm jumping in the middle here. But um, who is the real liar but the one who denies that Jesus is the Christ? Christ means the anointed one. So the real liars, anyone who denies that he actually is the anointed one. The, the religion loves teacher Jesus. They love hippie Jesus. They love all those things. They are against him being anointed. They're against him being the one that breaks bondage and transforms lives. Uh, and it says about that, the liar, he is the real antichrist, the one who denies the father and the son. Whoever rejects the son rejects the father. Whoever embraces the son embraces the father also. So you must be sure to keep this message burning in your hearts. That is, the message of life you heard from the beginning. If you do, you will always be living in close fellowship with the Son and the Father. And he himself has promised us the never-ending life of the ages to come. I've written, these, I've written these things about those who are attempting to lead you astray. But the wonderful anointing you have received from God is so much greater than their deception. And now lives in you. There is no need for anyone to teach you. His anointing teaches you all that you need to know, for it will lead you into truth, not a counterfeit. So, just as the anointing has taught you, remain in him. 
the anointing has taught us to remain in him, so do it. If you realize that you're out of alignment, oh, wow, I haven't, I haven't lived out of my position in him this week, then step back into it. You're already in it, but in your mind, like actually align yourself with, I am in you. And then also, reading the word, the, the word was not meant to be read without the oil. And so if, if the word is bread, dip it in oil and eat it. Bread, bread without oil or butter is <laughs> dry. And, and so you can read this thing without the anointing of the Holy Spirit and come out an atheist still. But if you invite the oil of heaven, if you invite the Holy Spirit himself, the one who wrote this book, to make it come alive to you, it's, oh, it's beautiful. Jesus, Jesus will come alive if you dip that in oil. Verse 28, and now, dear children, remain in him so that when he is revealed, we may have joyful confidence and not be ashamed when we stand before him at his appearing. If, if you know that he is righteous, you may be sure that everyone who lives in righteousness has been divinely fathered by him. Philippians 3, this is the other verse, and then we'll pray for people. Philippians 3, 9 through 18, my passion, this is, this is Paul speaking, listen to this, this is, this is the language of hunger. My passion is to be consumed with him and not clinging to my own righteousness, that would be self-righteousness, based in keeping the written law. So I'm not clinging to my own ability to bring myself into alignment by the things I, I do. My righteousness will be his, based on the faithfulness of Jesus Christ. Without Jesus, without the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, you cannot live out the Christian life. Grace is not forgiveness, grace is the empowerment when, when he gave us his grace, he says, hey, I know you're human. I know, I know that you don't know how to walk this out. You don't know how to be a son of God. So I'm actually going to empower you with my grace to be able to do that. The very righteousness that will come from God. And I will, continue, I will continually long to know the wonders of Jesus more fully. We need to long to know the wonders of Jesus more fully and to experience the overflowing power of his resurrection working in me. I will be one with him in his sufferings and I will be one with him in his death. His sufferings is, is, is being able to, to align with his heart. Few will go to that place with him. That's a whole other message. But few will go to that place with him where you begin to feel the, the anguish or, or the heart that he has for humanity. You begin to feel how he feels about, you know, the, the poor on the street or the sex trafficking victims. You begin to feel that. You, you begin to feel the suffering heart of God. And it's beautiful. And one with him in, in death is in everything that he, he paid for. Everything that, that, was, that was, he, he was sacrificed for so you can live in. Only then will I be able to experience complete oneness with him in his resurrection from the realm of death. This is key. Verse 12. I admit that I haven't yet acquired the absolute fullness of what I'm pursuing. Did you guys know that's in there? He admits, I don't, I don't actually have the fullness of what I'm pursuing. But I run with passion into his abundance. So that I may reach the purpose that Jesus Christ has called me to fulfill and wants me to discover. Your purpose and your, your actually you fulfilling what you're called to do is, is found in the place of hunger. It's found in you having a passion and a longing to experience and know everything he has for you. Every bit of who he is. You, and I'm telling you, the more you get around him, you may feel so dry today. But if you, if you keep going after him and keep going after him, and the more you get to see of him, the more you experience of him, the more you love him the more you want him. Verse 13. I don't depend on my own strength to accomplish this, however. I do have one compelling focus. I forget all the past as I fasten my heart to the future instead. I've been given this as a prophetic word. Anyone who puts their hand to the plow and turns back is not fit for the kingdom of God. So stop looking back. And if your hands are on the plow, you can't hold on to baggage. It doesn't matter what, what happened to you yesterday, what you did, what happened to you when you were a kid. 
that it, it matters to God in the, uh, the level that it needs healed. He wants you to be whole. But that stuff is no longer part of you. And so you put your hands to the plow. The kingdom is always advancing. And you keep, you keep moving forward. The hungry keep moving forward. He said, I forget all the past. The past does not matter. Your yesterday no longer matters. What matters is, is today, grabbing a hold of him. And it doesn't matter. Some of you, I, I've encountered so many people that they live out of the passion of when they were younger. Or I remember this time, I was fiery just like you. That can change in this moment right now. You don't have to lose hunger. And it's not just something for the young. I run straight for the divine invitation of reaching the heavenly goal and gaining the victory prize through the anointing of Jesus. So let all who are fully mature have the same passion. Maturity is hunger. Let all who are fully mature have the same passion. If anyone is not yet gripped by these desires, God will reveal it to them. So you ask him, because you're about to see something you ain't never seen before. And let us advance together to reach the, this victory prize following one path and one passion. My beloved friends, imitate my walk with God and follow all those who are walking according to the way of life we modeled before you. So just to summarize, Paul says, hey, I haven't achieved this thing I'm going after, but I'm still going after it. And anyone who's mature will actually go after this thing. And hey, how I'm doing this, model your life after that. And anyone who you see who's hungry like that, model your life after it. And he says in verse 18, for there are, there are many who live by different standards. As I've warned you many times, I, I weep as I write these words. They are enemies of the cross and of the anointed one, and doom awaits them. So, uh, worship team, if you guys want to come up, we're going to pray for some people. Um, I wrote this a year ago, and this popped up on my Facebook thing. But let, the, let this sink in. Hunger forges a path for others to follow. Apathy leaves a dip in the couch. Heaven's heroes leave a legacy of passion when they go. So it really is a question, like, what kind of legacy do you want, do you want to leave? Anyone can be a leader. You don't have to have a stage. You don't have to have a mic. Hungry people are sought after. I remember Bobby Connor said, seekers will be finders and finders will be sought. Because the promise is, if you'll seek, you'll find. So if you, if you seek God with your whole heart, you'll find him. And those who find God will be found. They'll be sought out by others. I was on a plane. I, I was walking through the aisle and I felt God on someone. You ever had that happen? Like there's just something about people who carry God. And you just want to be around them. Remember, some of you may know who Norval Hayes is. We had the, the privilege of getting to go to his house and spend a couple hours with him. And just walking up to his house, I could feel the tangible presence. And I was like, this man knows God. And he would just hold our hands and he would tell stories and he would laugh. And then he would weep as he talked about Jesus. Those who know God will be sought after. The world needs you to be hungry. The world needs you because they're hungry too. They want something. They want to, they want to know something real. And they're willing to give their lives to something. You know, one of the backwards things that happened in my generation is we were all given trophies. But because we were all given trophies and nothing ever actually means anything, my generation is now willing to die for something. Which kind of, you know, is a joke on the enemy. But at the same time, other movements are grabbing a hold of people my age who are, get, who are I just want to die for something. That's how ISIS recruits. It's people who want to give their life to something. That's what pride, LGBT, all of that. It's people who want to give their life to something. They're willing to live and die on that. But I'm telling you, this, this will also be the generation that will go into the nations and give their life. God told me that, you know, just like there's another Jesus movement coming. He said, just as Jesus, Jesus' blood was spilled for the saving of the world, the blood of the Jesus people would be spilled for the saving of the nations. And so there's a movement happening right now of, of especially millennials getting wrapped up in this. And 
And I'm telling you, there's gonna, it's going to follow with a missions movement that sends people all over the world. And you're going to hear great stories of the martyrs who gave their lives. And just like the, the Moravians, the Moravians, if one person died, they'd send two more. Ten died, they'd send 20. And I, I'm telling you, this world is going to know him. It's the hungry ones that are going to lead the way. So this is, this is a soft close.